All right. Whew. If I'm out of breath, it's because I just had to sprint in my office. I forgot I didn't have a microphone on. Everything is so like abnormal. Our uh, routines are all broken. I know that's the same for you guys watching at home as well. Um, so we are so glad to be with you again. I'm glad I get to share the word with you, something we do every week at Grace Bible Church, whether we're gathering virtually online or we're gathering in person, is we open up the Bible. We believe that the Bible speaks with the authority and relevance of Jesus himself. So we're in this series right now called Talking with God, the Ancient Art of Prayer. And in this series, God has been teaching us, and I think really already preparing us for this weird time we're going through. He's been teaching us how to pray. We already as a church, we're devoting ourselves to prayer and fasting. And so God has been there for us. We're learning to pray. This week, we're calling it Pray for Outsiders. Pray for Outsiders. And so we will be studying Ephesians chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, you can grab your Bible now. You can open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. It's a letter in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul. And so I appreciate my wife sharing the story about Paul's life and how God took him from being an outsider to being an insider, to someone that hated Jesus, to being someone that loved Jesus. And then Paul wanted to share that with others, just as we do as well. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 19. And before we look at that text, I want to talk a little bit about the experience of feeling like an outsider. Have you ever felt like an outsider? I can remember being in kindergarten in a very small preschool and knowing everybody there and feeling like I was a part of a family. And then I changed schools for the first and second grade. And I can remember feeling like an outsider when I went to a new school in the first and second grade. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. Then I went to a third school in the third grade. Some of you have been through this as well. And so then in the third grade, I was in another school, and I can remember really feeling like an outsider. And there's this one time in particular, a memory that, that really felt bad. Um, we had PE with third and fourth graders together. And so in our PE class with third and fourth graders together, one day we were playing kickball, and we had two team captains. I think the PE teacher grabbed the two best players and said, you pick teams. And one after one, someone was invited to be on that player's team, and then someone was invited to be on the other player, on the other captain's team. And I was picked last. Have you ever been picked last? It, it hurts. <laughs> it's sad. Um, and I can just remember that day aching and feeling like nobody wanted me on their team. Well, the beauty of the gospel is that the gospel takes those who are outsiders and God says by his good news in Christ that, that he wants you to be a part of his team, that he wants you to be in his family. And the Apostle Paul is talking about that in Ephesians chapter 3, and this is why we pray for outsiders. So in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, that word can be translated uh, ethnic groups or tribes, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations that has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, 
members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through a spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would teach us to hear what you have to say in it, that you would open up our hearts. God, I want to pray especially for those that are sick or that are afraid of being sick. Father, we pray, number one, for your comfort and your presence to be known to them, but we also pray for healing and health. God, we pray for those that have been displaced economically by all the craziness that's going on here. We pray for your grace, and we pray that you would show those of us that have how we can share with those that that don't and are struggling. Father, we pray also for our healthcare workers, that you would come alongside them, that you would strengthen them, empower them. God, show us practical ways that we can support them, we can support our, support our community, and that you could use us to be uh, messengers of your grace, to share this love that you have for us that we're seeing in the scriptures. Speak to us now through your word, Father. Uh, open our, our minds and hearts to it. Help us to receive your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I just realized I also, I forgot my microphone, I also forgot my glasses, but thankfully, I've pretty much got this text memorized, so it's fine. I'm all good. Y'all don't need to run, everybody's like, should I go get them? No, it's okay. That was the hardest part, reading through the text, so my notes are really enormous and large print, so it's not as much of an issue. Um, So there are going to be three things we're going to see in this text as we look through Ephesians 3. Um, Number one, why we pray. Why we pray, and that is mysterious grace. There's this mysterious grace that Paul talks about, and that's why we pray for outsiders. Secondly, we're going to look at for whom we pray, and that is for every tribe. We pray for every tribe, every ethne, every Gentile is nation or ethne, ethnic group. And then finally, what we pray. What what do we actually pray? We get the content of, of Paul's prayer at the end, and that's for supernatural strength, supernatural strength. So mysterious grace, every tribe, supernatural strength. The first thing we're going to look at is why we pray. Why do we pray? We pray because of God's mysterious grace. Do you see that in the text? That's where Paul starts off in verse 1. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, and Gentiles again means ethne or tribe. Um, it's Greek word is ethne. We get ethnic group today in that uh, word, but it can also be like nation or people group. Um, we have this stewardship, Paul is saying, assuming you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me 
for you. So he's saying this is rooted, this stewardship, it's like this uh, job he's been given to do. It's, it's rooted in the grace that God has for him. And so Paul is telling us that grace is where all this starts. Historically, the word grace just means kindness or favor. Um, it just means someone's nice or favorable or kind disposition towards someone else. So it can be a very broad word. But the New Testament nails this word down in a very specific way and ties it to God's kindness towards us in Christ. And so an acronym that a lot of us remember is grace can stand for God's riches at Christ's expense. Maybe you've heard that before, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a good way to remember grace. So grace is a broad word historically, but in the New Testament, And in Christian circles, Paul, this apostle, Jesus says grace is very specifically seen. This broad kindness is seen very specifically through the cross of Christ, through Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, giving us his perfect righteousness. So our sin is taken away if we trust in Christ and his righteousness and resurrection power and life is given to us if we trust in Christ. So there's this uh, making concrete or making specific of grace. But Paul throws in this other word, right? Mysterious. I said, we pray for outsiders because of mysterious grace. So what does that mean? Let's read further. So he says, he's been given the stewardship of grace. Verse three, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. So that means it was revealed to him. Verse four, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. So now second time, he's talking about mystery. So mystery typically is like something, it's like a puzzle, right? That we're trying to solve. It's something hidden. It's like some kind of secret. It's something you're trying to figure out. And Paul is saying this mystery, this puzzle, the secret thing was revealed to him. And he says, verse five, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. So there were hints at this mystery in the Old Testament. We would say there are all kinds of hints. And the apostles, once this mystery was revealed to Jesus' followers, they could look back and read it into the Old Testament and say, oh, there it was. It was there the whole time. Have you ever heard of the phrase an Easter egg, right? Like in a movie, like a little hint or a little clue, some kind of secret pointer. Well, once you understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross and through his resurrection, you can look back into the Old Testament and see, Man, he's all over the place, right? He, he even told his followers this in Luke chapter 24. It's a good passage to go look up at another time, but Jesus tells his followers that he's, he's all over the Old Testament. It was all about him. Well, Paul's saying, but that wasn't really understood or revealed in the same way that it is now that Jesus has come and lived for us and died for us and risen from the dead. So this was particularly then revealed to the apostles and revealed to Paul. Verse six, this mystery... This secret, this hidden thing, this mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So this grace is not just general kindness from God. It is, but it's more than that, right? And it's even more than Christ for sinners taking away our sin and giving us salvation. That's also what it is, but it's more than that. It's this new international body of people coming together. So Paul is saying the nature of this grace, that it's not about people saving themselves, but it's about God saving them by what Jesus did. By its very nature, that means it's for everybody. It can't just be for one tribe, right? Because if it's for one tribe, 
that would mean, oh, God likes this tribe better than other tribes, right? God likes this ethnic group better than other ethnic groups. And so Paul's saying there's this mystery in the grace in God saving sinners that means it's really for everybody. And so Paul, who used to hate Jesus and hate his followers, that grace was revealed to him. So Paul, in a sense, was an outsider to Jesus because he hated him. But Jesus revealed his kindness and grace, forgave Paul and said, Paul, you're going to be on my team now. And what did that do to Paul? Well, then now that compels Paul to pray, love, and serve outsiders as well. So why do we pray for outsiders? Why do we care for people outside of our family, outside of our church, outside of our tribe, outside of our city, outside of our country? We pray for outsiders, any kind of outsider. We care for them because of God's mysterious grace, because we were outsiders to God's family, and he brought us into his family. He adopted us. He made us his own. Paul had gone into more detail about this in chapter 2, so let me give you a little context. Chapter 2, verse 18, he says, through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers, aliens, those are words for outsiders, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So there's this very specific grace of salvation. We, we are now forgiven. We now belong to the Father by faith in Christ. But Paul says this points to a bigger thing that God is doing in that it's, it's for everybody. It's spread around and he loves all the different kinds. So mystery can typically mean some kind of secret, something that's hidden. And in the first century, it was pretty common for there to be these cults that had mysteries. And if you were strong enough or smart enough or tough enough, and if you went through all the initiations, then you would get to know the secrets of this mystery cult or mystery club. And these clubs were very common in the first century. So that's how mystery is often used. Christianity turns that on its head. It takes the mystery, the secretness, and by grace, by God's kindness, by God's love, it, it turns it inside out and it just opens it up to everybody. It's no longer just for the people that are tough enough or strong enough to be invited into the club. It's now for everyone. And so think about a, a time when a, a mystery is a secret, but the whole point of the secret is to be revealed. Um, imagine in your mind a surprise party. Can you think about a surprise party? Anybody ever been to a surprise party or had a surprise thrown where they're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. If you can picture a surprise party, someone jumping out and saying, surprise, here it is, right? Um, that's, that's a mystery. That's a secret. This whole purpose is to be revealed. So that's a picture you can have in your mind. Oh, okay. It was a secret, but really the whole point of the secret was to be invited in to the celebration. That's the kind of mystery that our grace in Christ is. It's this mystery that's been opened up. It's a secret that's, that's made to invite us in. And so what does this do for us? This does two things. Number one, big idea of the sermon, it makes us pray for outsiders, right? We pray for outsiders because we were outsiders that were brought into Christ's family. Um, so number one, pray that you would have the same kind of wonder that Paul does, that he was an outsider that is now made an insider by God's grace. Paul realizes he was adopted not because he was great, not because he was smart, not because he was a member of a particular tribe, even as a Jew, but he was made an insider in God's family by God's grace. So pray that you and I would have that same sense of wonder. Um, when we're in a time, worldwide pandemic, possible economic collapse, lots of craziness going on, this is a time when we can realize, you know what? 
nothing else is really secure, but Jesus is the rock that I can rely on. His mysterious grace, his inviting of me into his family is one thing that, that I can count on. So pray that you'd have the same awe and wonder at this mysterious grace as Paul did. But also pray that then you would be able to share that awe with others. Pray that, that God would show you tangible ways to include outsiders, the same way that God included you. What are some ways you could show that? Just pray, God, will you show me? Right now we're kind of isolated from each other, right? We're, we're supposed to be social distancing. We're supposed to be sheltering at home. We're supposed to be like separated from people. But those separations are going to slow down. They're going to dissolve eventually, and we're going to be able to be with more people again. Pray that you would be ready. Pray that you would go back to interacting with other people as a new man and as a new woman. Pray that God would show you how to show that outsiders can be insiders. Pray now that God would give you practical ways to serve others, to love others, to reveal his mysterious grace. I'm, I'm not a prophet by any means, but I think common sense shows us that probably all the craziness we're going through now is going to get worse before it gets better. And God's going to give us practical opportunities to love and serve others that are not necessarily our people. And that's the mark of being a Christian. God has said, you were an outsider. I've made you an insider. You belong to me now by my mysterious grace. Now go share that mysterious grace with others. Pray that God supernaturally by his spirit would show us tangible ways that we can show that love to others. Okay, the next point I want us to see is for whom we are to pray. Who are we to pray for? For whom are we to pray? Every tribe, it's every tribe. Again, this word Gentile that keeps appearing um, is the Greek word ethne or ethnos. We, we would translate that as ethnic group, nation, tribe. There's a lot of different ways you can discuss that. People groups, social groups. Um, so again, chapter two, this little uh, insight, he says, it's through him we both have access. And when he says both in chapter two, he was saying the other ethnic groups and the Jews. So we're together with the Jews, even though we're not Jews. And he says in 2.19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So again, we're, we were outsiders, but now every tribe we're made insiders. Now we all belong to Jesus. So we're going to pick this up in verses 6 through 12. And verses 6 through 12 says this, this mystery that we've just been talking about is that the Gentiles, the other ethnic groups, are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So that verse is a repeat of what I just read in chapter 2, 18 and 19. He's, he's replaying this. Verse 7, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. And so there we see that God has taken this grace that God has given to Paul, and it wasn't just a saving grace, but it was a, a doing grace, a serving grace, right? So this mysterious grace not only saves us and makes us a part of God's family, but it turns us into servants. We're now a part of what God is doing in the world. Verse eight, Paul says, to me though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, the tribes, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul is saying, I'm the, I'm the least of the apostles, right? He, he feels this guilt because he hated Jesus and he was murdering Jesus followers. But he's saying, he was forgiven. He was shown grace. He's, in a sense, saying he was the most outsider of outsiders. And yet Jesus still showed him grace and brought him in to the family. And this is one more sign that it really is for every 
tribe. It really is for every ethnic group. And so Paul's saying, so now I preached all these ethnic groups. I preached all these tribes. Verse 9, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So he's saying this is, this is God's plan. This is his mysterious plan. It's now for everyone. Um, what's the line from the John 3.16 song where you do this? What was that line? For everyone? Whoever believes, right, right? It's, it helps if you move your head when you do that, right? Um, I couldn't help. I was just doing it while I was reading these verses. It's the same, same idea, right? For he, whoever believes. It's for everyone. He's saying, this is God's plan. It was hidden back in the past. And then verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is for every tribe. It's for every people group. It's for every social group. It's for every ethnic group. No matter what word you use, it's for everyone. Whoever would trust in Jesus instead of themselves. So a way of saying this uh, with ethnic group or tribe in context is, are you trusting in what tribe you belong to? Are you trusting in being an American? Are you trusting in being white or black or brown or yellow? Are you trusting in being rich or poor? Are you trusting in being strong or being weak? What are you trusting in? Paul says, don't trust in your tribe or your social position. Trust in Jesus. And that's, the, that's what we are to share. That's the good news. And this is then in verse 10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is like, cosmic in its scope. This manifold, many-colored, diverse, every tribe salvation is news to the angels. They're, they're watching this and they're, they're amazed at this. Isn't that incredible? And so manifold specifically, this word, most literally the Greek word polyoikolos or polypoikolos means many-colored. Um, it's used in a lot of different ways to just describe any kind of diversity. Um, literally it most often refers to multiple colors, but it also can just refer to diversity in general. And so what this word is saying is there are these many different colors, many different shades, many different varieties of wisdom that God is showing by reaching every kind of tribe. So imagine a field of wildflowers. There are blue and red and purple and pink and orange and yellow and green and all the shades, all the colors you can imagine. God God invented that diversity. God came up with that. And the gospel now is something that we are sharing with every kind of person. That's God's goal, that, that his wisdom would be revealed in a multicolored, manifold kind of way. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? Um, so in context, what does this look like for us? Well, let me finish up the, the couple of verses here. Verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he's realized in Christ Jesus, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So Paul says, this is in Christ. This is not just kind of like the um, trendy, social, political, correct version of diversity where we're like, it's cool and in style to be diverse. No, through Christ, Christ genuinely saved for uh, every kind of man, right? He genuinely died on the cross for every tribe, for every group. So that diversity is found in him. And Paul says, and that gives us boldness, right? What does that do for us personally? Personal application, that makes me realize I can come before God in prayer at any time and in any place because 
he loves me because he's the kind of God who loves people by grace, not he loves me because I've got all my stuff together or I behave perfectly or I did everything right. So Paul's saying that gives us boldness, knowing that we have this access through Christ. So I want to break this up into corporate and uh, individual application. Corporately, as a church, as an operation, um, what this means is it's really important to us when we have gatherings, and of course we're gathering online, which is a little different than when we gather in person. But whenever we do have a gathering and a worship service, we already know it's weird that we don't worship ourselves, we don't worship our tribe, but we worship Jesus. And we want to remove as many barriers of weirdness as possible, so we're going to try to speak in plain language as much as we can, Right? Just by nature of teaching out of the Bible and following Jesus, that's going to make us already different from culture. But we try to remove barriers and we try to be as understandable as possible because we believe that this message is for everyone. And that's a really important uh, value for us as a church. Um, We also have this kind of common sense approach where we try to think about the particular tribes and social groups that are in this area, in this city, in our neighborhood, and think, how can we do a better job reaching the different kinds of groups in this neighborhood? And that's something we're praying about, and we would ask you to pray about with us. Also, we tithe, we set aside a a tenth of our general income as a church, and we say we want to take a tenth of our general income and give that out to other ministries. Um, Now, most of that, because the farther out, the harder to reach groups uh, require more cost and more sacrifice. We give the largest percentage of that 10% of global outreach money to the farthest away tribes and the hardest to reach groups, right? Um, and then we give uh, a lower percentage to just general cross-cultural, and then we give a lower percentage than that to local ministries that are not a part of our church. Um, but we, in general, set aside 10% of our general funds to say, let's, let's reach out beyond the ministries that our church is already involved in. So that's, those are three corporate ways that we try to live out this idea that we're praying for every tribe to know Jesus. For whom do we pray? For every tribe to display the manifold wisdom of God. So personally, how can we apply this? I would say for all of us, it would be helpful to just think of a, a social group or an ethnic group, a particular group of people that that you just kind of tend to think are outside of God's grace or are are unreachable. What group would that be? Why why don't you purpose, set a discipline of beginning to pray for that particular group and realize, you know what? God is for every tribe. God is for everyone. And God is a God for outsiders. He takes outsiders and makes them insiders. Remember the apostle Paul himself was someone who was cursing Jesus and trying to murder Jesus' followers. And Jesus turned him around. So God can do that for anyone. So what is that particular group that you think is outside of God's love and pray that God would show you and God would show them that he loves them by grace? Number two, I would say, think of some friends or neighbors who seem far from God. Maybe now moving from just a group in general to a couple of people you know. Who are a couple of people, particular people you know that seem far from God, that seem like outsiders, that seem like they're not interested? Um, Begin praying for them and asking God, to reach them, and to root them in Christ. Um, And then finally, I would say, in a little closer, think of some folks that God's maybe already put in your path that maybe don't know Jesus yet, but they're interested, or they seem on the periphery. You know, they seem kind of on the edges. They might be seeking or questioning or um, checking things out. Begin to pray for them. So I'd say build a list of outsiders that you're praying for, starting maybe with a group that you think might be beyond 
um, God's grace and say, you know what, God, I see that you are a God of grace for all tribes and all people, for every tribe. Begin praying for that group. Pray for individuals that seem far away. And then pray for individuals that God has put in your path that seem a little closer. So we pray for uh, outsiders. We pray for every tribe because this is the kind of God that we serve, a God that makes us as outsiders insiders and a God that continues to bring others in as well. Finally, what do we pray? What's the actual content of the prayer? Um, We have a lot of different things we can pray, right? But Paul gives us an example prayer here in the text, and we see this uh, in verses 13 through 19. So look at verse 13. He says, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Now, I added that verse in on purpose, even though that's not really officially part of the prayer. The next section is his prayer section. I'm adding in the suffering because that's a part of our prayer. I want you to understand right now we're going through some minor suffering as a community and as a world, and God's going to give us opportunities to go through more suffering. And prayer is a part of that. Um, Prayer is not always suffering, but it's asking us to give of ourselves for others. And so it might be tangible suffering, um, going through difficulty, going through inconvenience, going through uh, pain, but also God asks us to pray. So Paul, I just want you to see, Paul links these things together. Paul says, number one, don't lose heart because I'm suffering. Paul says, this is, this is okay. God is using my suffering to serve others. Do we see that? Do we see that we as God's people are loved? And so even if we suffer, God's grace is so strong that he can use our suffering to serve our community and to serve the world. Now we get into the content of the prayer, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Right? So we were outsiders, but by faith in Christ, we are now insiders. We're part of God's family. Um, God didn't say, hey, I see family, so I'm going to call myself a father to help people understand who I am. No, God invented families to help us understand who he is. He was a heavenly father first. For some of us, this is difficult if you've had a bad father or a weird relationship with your father, or maybe no relationship at all. It can be hard to really make sense of this. And I would say the very fact that you know there was something wrong or something missing in your earthly relationship points to the reality that we have this hardwired into us what a father should be. And God is everything that a father should be. And so he says, I bow to the father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's saying here that What we need is supernatural strength. And so when we pray for outsiders, we are praying that God would bring them supernatural strength in Christ. Just as Paul prays for us and Paul prays for the other tribes that he's trying to reach, we should pray as well. We should pray not only for those that don't know Jesus, but for those that do know Jesus, that we would be rooted and grounded in Christ. Uh, Think of a tree. Think of how a tree draws its strength from under the ground. Its roots are deep in Christ. And we have a couple of references 
uh, like this in Scripture. So Paul's using some of that language here in Ephesians 3. He's talking about being rooted and grounded in Christ. And so he's mixing these two pictures that are scriptural pictures, right? Like in Matthew 5, Jesus says, build your house on the rock. So Jesus and his word would be like a foundation that we'd be grounded in Christ. But he also uses here in Ephesians 3, he's the idea of being rooted in Christ. So just like a tree, talks about this in Psalm 1, talks about this in Jeremiah 17 as well. A tree digs its roots down deep into the water. And if there's no water for those roots to get to, that tree is going to die. And we are to be rooted supernaturally in the strength of Christ. So number one, how do you, how do you get there? Personally, you've got to make a commitment to Christ. You have to admit, if you haven't done this yet, that you're a sinner and that you can't save yourself by being a member of the right tribe or the right group or having a good education or being smart enough or being good-looking enough or well-liked. None of those things ultimately can save you. Only Christ can save you. And so when you give yourself to Jesus, you say, Jesus, save me. Will you forgive me? I see that you died on the cross for me. I, I give myself to you. When you make that commitment to him, you ask him to forgive you, he will forgive you. And when you do that, your roots begin to tap into the living water of Christ himself for the first time. And you're going to have a supernatural strength that other people don't have. And that's going to give you a peace and a strength that will enable you to endure craziness in society, pandemic, chaos. Now, here's the other thing. Some of us have already made that commitment. We have to keep making that commitment. It's not like we lose our connection with Christ, but we have to purpose every day. The way this is discussed in Ephesians and Colossians and other places in the New Testament is like taking off the clothing of the old man and putting on the clothing of Christ. Like every day when you get up and you change clothes, you put on your outfit, right? It's this idea that every day as a Christian, we have to put on Christ. We have to purpose to follow him again. Now, Jesus promises us in John that nothing can snatch us out of his hand. So this is not to give us a sense of insecurity. This is just to say, you're a tree and you need to keep drawing living water through your roots from Christ. You need to keep pushing those roots down deep. A lot of you probably know this already, but as a plant grows... And as a tree grows, its roots go deeper and deeper so it can tap more and more water. And that's the growth cycle that we should be going through as well. And so those are individual commitments we need to make, right? If you don't know Christ, you need to give yourself to him. If you know Christ, you need to keep committing to to put on Christ and draw on his supernatural strength every day. But this is also then the content that we pray for others. So when you're praying for those other people that maybe seem like outsiders, You're praying because the mysterious grace of God has made you an insider, so it compels you to pray for outsiders as well. And it's for every tribe. It's not just for certain tribes, not just for the people that you like, but it's for everyone. As you're praying, these are the things that you're praying, that they would know Jesus, know how how incredible his grace is. Verse 18, strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is supernatural knowledge. This is knowing things that are beyond us normally, but by God's grace, we can know this truth. We can know this reality in Christ. So we pray for outsiders. We pray for all kinds of people because Jesus has made us, who are also outsiders, he's made us insiders. And so I want to wrap up thinking again about the kickball thing. It, it hurt for me to be feeling like an outsider and to be picked last for kickball. 
Um, but what I want you to see is for all of us who know Christ, it's, it's not just that uh, we were outsiders and then Jesus picked us to be on his team. It's not that simple. It's more like this. It's more like God from the beginning picked us to be on his team and we said, no, I hate you and I never want to play your game. That's really what Paul has laid out in the book of Ephesians. I encourage you to go back and read Ephesians chapter 2. All of us were objects of wrath. We were rebels. We said, I don't want to play your game. I don't want to be on your team. You disgust me. And we ran the other way. We said, I want to play another game. I want to be on another team. And God's grace is so amazing that even though we did that, even though we insulted him in that way, that, that's what sin is, falling short of his glory. Even though we insulted him and ran from him and said we didn't want to have anything to do with him, he still picked us to be on his team. He still came after us in Christ. He still left heaven, came to earth. Jesus gave up everything and he died on the cross for our sins. And so this grace is so amazing. It takes outsiders, it takes rebels, and it makes us insiders. It brings us into his family. And so now as we move forward and in a world of frankly more instability than I've seen in my lifetime, more craziness, more like, who knows what's going to happen next week? I don't know. I have more and more security, solidity. I have an anchoring, a a foundation, a rootedness in Christ because I know, I know, I know that he took me when I was an outsider and he made me an insider. He he brought me into his family. He loves me and he, he loves you as well in Christ. So we want to take that security we have in Christ and we want that to turn us into the kind of people who pray for outsiders, who serve outsiders, who know that Jesus loves us, so we love others. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the grace you've shown us in Christ, and we pray that you would continue to remake us. Make us a people who suffer for outsiders, who serve outsiders, who love outsiders, who pray for outsiders because you loved us first. We thank you that you loved us and you made us your adopted children, that we get to be heirs, we get to be partners in what you're doing in the world. We thank you for that grace. We're amazed by it and we pray that you would use us to to share that love with others. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.